this job is great in so many ways. And I think people think the job is great because we get to tell the story, because we, we do these effects, because we get these experiences, because we go to celebration, right? But also great is just standing on the side and watching somebody. You know, again, like I said, I saw that child inside John that he experienced Star Wars. I sit there with Peyton. You see your crew just staring at Mark and you realize they're remembering what it meant to them. And you realize that you've been a part of constructing something that's giving that experience to people, this good feeling, which fundamentally Star Wars should deliver a good feeling, an uplifting feeling in you and your family, your kids, whatever. Jason. And this is Gabe. This week we are talking all about the Disney Gallery covering the season two finale of The Mandalorian. Came on Disney Plus last week. Just when your Mando fever is starting to plateau. Just when you feel like you're starting to cool down a little bit. Yeah, I think they want to make sure that we don't forget that Mandalorian's out there and Book of Boba is coming soon. Even though, how could we ever forget that Mandalorian is still out there and Book of Boba is coming soon? But it was a pleasant surprise to have this back because if you listen to the show, you know we love the behind the scenes stuff as much as the real stuff. And season two's single gallery episode, as incredible as it was, was still just like one long episode. So basically, We've now got double the <laughs> Disney gallery of Mandalorian season two. So I could not be happier. When I was watching it for the first time on that Wednesday morning, I was like absolutely enthralled. And it was a nice trip back into yeah, total Mandalorian madness. I was feeling it again. Every time they showed a clip from the show, I was like, oh, that's good stuff right there. Well, yeah, I had, I had to go watch the finale again afterwards. I was like, man, <laughs> you can't just show me little bits of it. I got to go watch the whole thing. But, man, whenever one of these comes out, it just reminds me how much amazing behind-the-scenes stuff they have just waiting to unleash on us whenever they feel like 
<laughs> whipping us into a frenzy. Just sitting on stuff. The footage in Mark Hamill's backyard of him wearing the Jedi Luke costume. Sitting on that since, what'd they say, like December 2019. Oh yeah, we've got this stuff. We'll, we'll get it out to you one day. Or maybe we won't. I don't know. Oh, just messing with us. Like I was saying, this episode had me checking my temperature again for my Mando fever. It was just a little bit of Mando, a little bit of the goosebumps, the cold chills. How would you, okay, in late summer 2021 here, how's your Mando fever right now? Did this episode make your Mando fever, the sickness, any worse? Or is your Mando fever kind of plateauing and is it crossing over with boba fever which we know we all have right now yeah i don't know that there's any difference between mando fever and boba fever i think it's all the same thing and maybe that was that was their plan all along that you can't calm down and you can't cool down with mando fever when you know book of boba's coming and there's a good chance mando it's going to show up on Book of Boba. Why not? So is it really anything different? I think it's just Star Wars live action TV show fever. And maybe it was, you know, maybe I was like down to 100 and now I'm like back above 100. I don't know. <laughs> it's not like I stopped thinking about it. But yeah, I definitely I probably spent more time that Wednesday thinking about uh, the future of Mando and Boba than I had for a while. It's like we got so into Bad Batch for a while that it almost distracted me for a hot second. And then, yeah, that Wednesday morning, it's like you're, they play the clips yeah, from the rescue, and all of a sudden, you can feel it. <laughs> well, that's a good point, because I feel like it took us through half of the Bad Batch season for us to stop thinking that that Boba Fett was going to show up in every episode. <laughs> We were almost through the summer, and it was like, okay, we're not talking about Boba Fett anymore. We're just focusing on Bad Batch. We're calmed down. But every once in a while in the summer, we'd be like, you know, essentially they're all a bunch of Boba Fetts. Uh, well, it was almost like once we calmed down, then there was the episode where they're like, she's a clone of Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah, I got the fever, as usual. I almost feel like this, <laughs> this, this wonderful making of the, the finale – it was like getting getting your blood drawn at the doctor. Like I just gotta check all your levels. How's your how's your kidney doing? How's your liver? Everything looks okay. Just keep you know keep eating your vegetables, and you might be all right. You know we'll we'll check it again in a few months. Well, I like how these specials are almost like the actual show in a way too, where it's like we see a bunch of our old favorites in of the behind the scenes people and then they pepper in some new up and coming rising stars to kind of get us oh okay we're gonna start seeing more of these people too it's almost like how uh mandalorian kept introducing the characters to be in the spinoffs it's like now we have ilm introducing us the the future the future stars matt wood shows up oh it's just fan service they're just giving <laughs> the behind the scenes fans all the people that they like there's that matt wood he's been showing up for a decade they old it's behind the scenes thing they gotta put matt wood in it i guess <laughs> okay but before we start really breaking it all down we got to talk about the real superstar of this disney gallery episode Everybody was talking about it online. It was so good to see this person again. They look amazing. So much time spent with them. You know who we're talking about. We're talking about Plo Koon. 
Yeah, they were trying to tease us that this was all about Mark Hamill. This was all about Luke Skywalker. But that was just to throw us off the scent that this was really about the real hero of the saga. Yeah, Plo Koon, he's back. And we got as much or maybe more Plo Koon than we've ever gotten at any other time in the past 25 years. All in one in one condensed chunk here today. I like it's like right away in the first couple of minutes. Peyton Reed is talking about how he got the script. <laughs> he said, "Like I, I have some questions about this character coming in at the end, Plo Koon." <laughs> I like he was like for a minute he was like he, the guy from like the prequels, you know, Plo Koon. <laughs> Didn't he blow up in a spaceship? And I, I love like right away when they show the script and it's like enters Plo Koon. He's not dead. And then Plo Koon says in the script that they show, which one of you is Grogu? <laughs> but you got to imagine it's it's like Plo Koon would be like, which one of you is Grogu? <laughs> Can you even imagine the fact that there was production art of Plo Koon and they made a digital Plo Koon head and – they superimposed the digital Plocoon head on the Luke Skywalker head with a human hand and a black glove. Well, let's hope there'll be a, a, an official uh, release of a Luke Skywalker action figure with a Plocoon head snapped on top. I want Celebration 2022. I want a T-shirt of that Plo Koon production art with the, the page from the script printed on the back. <laughs> well, let's, let's have a panel where they can show us the dailies with Plo Koon's head. I want to see that whole scene at, at the end of the, that episode, but with Plo Koon, <laughs> the door opens and Plo Koon walks out. Just imagine Plo Koon flying in on an X-Wing. I'm like, Floney's talking about, you don't know who is. It could be, you know, it's the lightsaber. The... What if it was Plo Koon? Yeah, I that Wednesday morning, I seriously almost died with all the Plo Koon stuff. I literally had an out of body experience, and I was like, "Man, this where I, I paused it and checked, and I was like, we're like ten minutes into this thing. Where's this thing going? This is getting weird. Am I still dreaming? Am I tripping? What's going? <laughs> yeah. yeah, more Plo Koon than ever before. Bless Dave Filoni for bringing us so much Plo Koon in, in, the, in the year 2021, a, a ray of light, and that ray of light is the Plo Koon. He's still keeping it Plo Cool. <laughs> I remember John seeing the script for the season finale episode, and I read it, and I loved it. It had a lot of action, it had uh, a lot of great character stuff, and a lot of emotion. But there was a character that came in at the end of it, and in the script it was written as a character called Plo Koon. And I knew Plo Koon was a Jedi, I think, from the prequel trilogy, and I was like, well, how are we visualizing this? And he said, come over here in the corner, I want to I talk to you. And he gave me the real news that it was in fact not Plo Koon, but it was going to be Luke. And uh, I needed a moment. Okay, so here we go. We're going to start talking all about this Disney gallery, about the season two finale. 
And what we did here is we kind of broke it down into some of the themes that they talk about as they go through. And we're going to kind of expand upon those themes. It seems like the overall theme of the entire episode of Disney Gallery is responsibility. They say it about 75,000 times in this Disney Gallery episode, responsibility. And then after responsibility, we have Mark Hamill. We have the tech. We have the secret. We have the character. We have everything else. We have the controversy, the legacy, and the reaction. So let's kind of start with the beginning, like we were saying, the overall theme as they begin, kind of the responsibility that Lucasfilm, ILM, everyone kind of had to doing this finale, bringing Luke Skywalker back. Right, because it was like they had the responsibility to the story they were telling to kind of do what makes sense. And Luke Skywalker is the character that made sense. And then the responsibility to stay true to the character, stay true to Mark Hamill, and stay true to the Star Wars-ness of it all. And also the responsibility to use this new technology that can be used to trick people uh, in a way that is for good, using their powers for good. Them talking about this, it kind of took me back to a lot of our old episodes, back when we were talking about season one and especially after season one, building up to the finale of season two, where kind of like them, we almost didn't want to say Luke Skywalker. (laughs) I feel like so many fans, we all knew if Din has to take Grogu back to these sorcerers, we're five years after Return of the Jedi, you're going to have to cross paths with Luke Skywalker. And if you don't, it's weird. It was like the inevitable thing that always had to happen. But I like how they, like on the set, they're still saying like Plo Koon. (laughs) And I feel like we would have said that there's more of a chance possibly of Plo Koon happening than Luke. Like, we were afraid to be, like, it was almost like a dirty word. Like, do you think it could be Luke? You know, like, is that, are we crossing a line here talking about that? And we even said back in those episodes, it's the one thing that probably makes sense for the story. But I think, like, probably, like, everybody else, we were like, it's such a huge move to do that. And I, you, you get the sense that they felt that too. Right, because it's almost like they came to the same conclusion of, okay, we're doing this story and this is really, this makes the most sense. It's got to go this way. But realizing if we go this way, this is a really big deal in a lot of ways and on a lot of levels. And that's kind of what this whole episode kind of, yeah, gets into that. This choice was the right choice, but it was not a choice they made lightly for for multiple reasons. So that kind of brings us into our first kind of big part, the Mark Hamill, where it's kind of like this whole process began with bringing in Mark Hamill, how they brought him in, getting his approval, getting his cooperation, and how important all of that was. And The superstar of this part, though, yeah, like we were saying, is the footage shot in his backyard with cars parked out in the driveway. (laughs) And what they say that they brought the costume, the lightsaber, the script, and Grogu to his house. 
was Peyton Reed and John Favreau just packed up the car. All right, let's drive to Malibu. Let's drive to Mark Hamill's house. Bring all the stuff. Well, and I don't know. I'm always so just fascinated with production schedules and the fact that we just started to see the first season of Mandalorian and they're already working on the finale of the second season. They're at Mark Hamill's house with the Grogu puppet just weeks after the entire world first saw what this character even was. And they're just, yeah, in his backyard (laughs) with him. It's December, 2019. Yeah. We're like just being introduced to like grief and, we're freaking out about the Jawa episode, probably. Rise of Skywalker hasn't even come out yet. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, planning the finale of season two with Mark Hamill. And it just makes your mind wonder, too, about all the stuff that's coming next year and beyond that. And all the secrets and all the who knows what's. <laughs> But I did like them also talking about how much Luke is too much Luke. The balance. They talk about the balance a lot, where we say all the time that Star Wars is all about balance. Yeah, and post Return of the Jedi, Luke is like the most potent spice you can put in your dish. To so much so that they were scared to put it in Force Awakens, and since then, yeah, it's the it's the who is the master chef that's brave enough to sprinkle in the the Luke spice into their project and maybe all of Favreau's cooking classes and shows and uh, his movie chef made him think that he, he was brave enough to bring, to bring him back. It's like really hardcore red pepper flakes. Yeah. I know this would do a wonder for this chili. Well, I, you could potentially ruin the chili recipe by putting in too much red pepper flakes, or you could just take it to just the right level. Yeah. Our opinion, the chili tasted perfect. Not everyone agrees with us, though. For some people, the chili was too spicy. For some people, the chili was not spicy enough. We're just a sucker for the for the spice. <laughs> for, the, for the Luke spice. We're very forgiving of how much Luke spice they put in. We're just happy to have the chili. We're, we're so hungry. <laughs> I love John Favreau talking about how Kathy is such a great producer, because she is. And Kathy will give you anything you need. Call her up. Say, Kathy, we want donuts on the set. Next half, ten minutes later, full spread and the good stuff too. There's some, there's some apple fritters there. It's like Kathy, you didn't have to go so hard. She she knows what you want. Yeah. That's that's what the artists need to be creative. They need their donuts. So let's get let's get them pronto. So then we're watching. We're having a great time. This is all cool. Mark Hamill in his backyard. Really fun stuff. And then this is John Noel alert. John Noel is here. <laughs> One of the big challenges on this show is the work is very ambitious, uh, and the expectation is that the polish level will be as high as what we're doing on the features. <laughs> Just so you know, this is a serious behind the scenes. we got to have a little bit of John L. Who you notice, they have to keep him outside because he's just too hot. <laughs> yeah. They realize if you're going to put John Noel in a behind the scenes, yeah, keep that man outside. That that wasn't a jacket like to keep him warm. That was just to keep him from catching on fire. It's like John Noel, what are you doing here? I wasn't ready for this. It's it's early in the morning. Spit out your coffee. <laughs> I'm still thinking about Plo Koon, and now John Noel's here. Yeah, he looks amazing. So 
You know when you're watching something on Disney Plus and the show ends and there's that long, 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 like four-hour-long thing of all the credits for all the the different uh, the countries, all the different dubs they they've done for the shows. This episode of Disney Gallery is no different, and you can watch John Knoll dubbed in many different languages. The the technology has finally caught up to where yeah, you can have. Any region of the world version of John Knoll at your fingertips. If you want to know what John Knoll sounds like in Japanese, it's there for you. Yeah. Maybe Portuguese. That's what you're feeling today. One of the big challenges. Um dos desafios dessa série é que o trabalho é bem ambicioso e a expectativa é que o nível da finalização não vai ser tão alto quanto fazemos nos filmes. Então, um pouco disso é trabalhar com os artistas muito talentosos e experientes que nós temos. Maybe German, a German John Knoll. What's that like? One of the big challenges. Uma das grandes herausforderungen bei dieser Show ist ihre Ambitioniertheit. Die Erwartungshaltung ist ganz einfach die, dass die Post-Production-Qualität das Level der Kinofilme erreicht. But remember, you have to be responsible with all this power and these new technologies. You don't want to overdo it with your international John Knowles. So now, now that John Knoll has come out, of course, now we're going into the tech. How we did it. We got Mark Hamill back on board, hanging out in his backyard. Now, how are we going to do it? And I thought it was really kind of fascinating and how kind of upfront they are where they're like, yeah, we didn't really know. Because what they talk about, like, do we go full CG like Tarkin? Do we do de-aging like the Marvel stuff? Or do we go with the deep fake? Yeah, and it's neat that, you know, now that Marvel and... Lucasfilm are all kind of in the same family. And with Rogue One, with Tarkin and Leia, ILM kind of went deep on the CG head technology. And with the Marvel films, they've been using the kind of de-aging technique, which is almost more like painting over the existing character as or the existing footage as opposed to like completely re- replacing the head. It was cool to see how much time they spent kind of looking into the deep fake thing because that's kind of the new technology to do that. And it's kind of the hot thing if you're on YouTube because there's a lot of people doing treatments on older movies, putting different actors in. And it's kind of one of those things that that people are aware of as a technique, but it's not really something that's been used in movies. And if you were on the internet at all since the season two finale ended, you probably saw hundreds of people posting why didn't they just use the deep fake stuff instead of whatever they did which nobody knew what they did anyway <laughs> it was cool for them to show all the research they did into the deep fake because it is a newer technology that is very powerful but it's also kind of it's very new and we get introduced to a new ILM superstar Landis Fields who apparently, as much as we like John Knoll, John Knoll likes Landis Fields that much, and that he's this mad scientist that they had to lock into a room to just figure this stuff out. Has anyone checked on him (laughs) since this happened? Is there just a skeleton sitting in a room with like an ILM hat on? 
Well, at least he had donuts to eat, it sounds like. Well, and they decide that they wanted to focus on the, the de-aging technique. And yeah, they brought in the, the studio Lola, who did the Marvel stuff. And they used a, a picture double, this guy named Max, who I thought kind of weirdly looked like Hayden Christensen, too, which is kind of interesting. But it was neat before they made the decision to kind of do more of the Marvel-style de-aging technique that they showed all the footage or a lot of the footage they were using to plug into the deep fake thing and just how they, you know, of course, grab clips from all the movies, but seeing some of those old interview scenes they used and those, uh, I don't know, it was just, it was fun seeing all the, all the clips that they were putting in for, for reference. Well, and that's the thing too, that it was, Really neat, like, the transparency of this special, of kind of like, we're going to show you all the different techniques we tried. And there's going to be people out there who are like, yeah, they should have done that. It looked better. But there was stuff that I saw that I was like, yeah, I don't know. I still like what we got in all of its funkiness. I still really like it. I That's what this episode was reminding me, too, that. There's a part of me that's glad that it's a little funky because, and I think we've talked about this before, it's like that makes it feel almost more Star Wars. Because really, back to the original movie, there were always a few scenes that were a little funky. That's how you know it's Star Wars because you know that they're pushing it to the point where they're doing stuff they shouldn't be because no one is, has control of those powers yet. And they're, you know, and they're doing it anyway. And that's, you know, it's like, Special Edition Jabba. It's like, I will never not love Special Edition Jabba because it was just pushing the limits so far ahead of what they should have been. And even getting into the prequels and stuff. It's like, that's what makes it Star Wars. And Tarkin is the same thing in Rogue One. It's like, if you're going to do it, let's push it to the limit and then some. Let's do what we're not supposed to do. (laughs) And I just, I love that about all this stuff, and especially, yeah, that last episode of season two, it's like, you know, they weren't scared to just say, we don't know how the heck we're going to do this, or if it's even going to work, but we're going to do it anyway. And that's like we say over and over again in episodes. That's kind of the spirit of ILM. That's the spirit of Lucasfilm. That's definitely the spirit of Star Wars is pushing it into a direction you don't know where you're going. Right. Well, it's like the Lucas quote of, I knew it was going to work because it was impossible, basically, kind of thing. Okay, so that brings us to our next theme, The Secret. This is where the Plo Koon stuff is going absolutely crazy. I like John Favreau, too, talking about, like, we saw that everybody knew that Rosario was going to be Ahsoka and that Tamir Morrison's going to be back as Boba. They were terrified that Luke would leak. They had somebody checking the internet, like, every day, like, when Mandalorian was airing, that poor person... <laughs> Well, I do. I love the point that that John Favreau was like, we didn't announce anybody, <laughs> but everybody knew. <laughs> but yeah, with Luke, they were able to keep the secret. The fact that we have to maybe thank Robert Rodriguez for for shooting his episode on location to get most of the crew kind of away from the small crew that they had to do the Mark Hamill stuff, and the fact that what they spent more or less just a day. Filming all that stuff, which is crazy. We have no problem with spoilers. We'll read just about anything and everything. But 
it was a neat surprise, and I'm glad it was a surprise, even though we smelled it coming. As soon as I saw the X-Wing, I was just like, oh boy, here we go. Well, and it is almost like what uh, Dave Filoni was talking about, though, that it was even up till the moment he takes the hood off, you really couldn't believe it because it was that, like we were saying, it's like it seems so obvious, but it seems so impossible at the same time. And you're not really able to process that. Like, well, of course it's Luke, but it can't be Luke. (laughs) Luke. It looks like Luke, but it can't be Luke. Well, that kind of brings us to the discussion about the character. I love Mark Hamill talking about who is Luke post-Return the Jedi and his his James Bond allegory he makes. I remember joking with George. I said, you know, when Return of the Jedi ends, it's all over for me. And that would almost be like taking three movies to tell you how James Bond earned his license to kill. And then it's over. No Doctor No, no Goldfinger, no For Much With Love. And I was joking, really, but it, it did occur to me that he went from a farm boy then to a trainee to a Jedi, and yet then it's over, and there's no tales of, you know, the, his exploits as a Jedi. So it was nice to have a rare look at what he would be doing prior to establishing the Jedi Academy, but post-Jedi. Yeah, because we really don't I mean not in live action have really gotten any kind of post return of the Jedi Luke stories I mean there were there are books but technically you know those don't count if you're if you care if they count a little bit in comics a little tiny bit but yeah yeah a little bit in uh battlefront 2 <laughs> we knew Luke, we knew Luke was looking for compasses <laughs> But that was the whole thing that it was like before Last Jedi. It was like we always heard that like Luke was off limits to telling stories and stuff. And I guess now that's kind of done. But I was really into them talking about the fact that Luke really hasn't had anyone training him in like saber combat since the end of Return of the Jedi. That what did they say that maybe he's a little bit more powerful or something, but his style has got to be kind of almost the same. Yeah, that he's still really the same from a technique perspective as he would have been uh, in Return of the Jedi. And oh, kind of overall, his style would be different than any of the Jedi from the prequels or back when there was a, a Jedi temple and, and kind of formal training. And, and Dave Filoni making the point to remind people that Ahsoka's older and has more training than luke skywalker you know we had a whole discussion about it would be very easy to just make him so over the top skilled but i was like you know what's interesting is he's had training but i don't know who's been teaching him sword fight training lately so he had to have a style that was better than what we saw in jedi but fundamentally still of the same tree of sword fighting technique and his technique and Ahsoka's technique should be very different. And technically, she's had vastly more training than he ever has. She's actually his senior, which is, I think, difficult for people to remember because of when these characters were created, right? So a lot of consideration given to every detail. When he said that, I was like, well, that might ruffle some feathers. But Ahsoka is more experienced, and she did learn in the temple. And 
it's kind of the neat thing, though, thinking about it, that, you know, Ahsoka's master was Luke's father. He was, you know, the hero with no fear and all that. And he was, was he the chosen one? Who knows? And that's kind of what makes the, the Ahsoka episode so great, too, is the fact that Ahsoka will not take Groku and everything. But that's a whole nother thing. Well, it's it's actually, you know, in hindsight, too, another thing that makes the Ahsoka showing up in Mandalorian not seem as out of place as maybe you might have thought. Because with Luke showing up and Luke being the Jedi that Grogu ultimately would have to go with, that there is that connection between Ahsoka and, and Luke. And, and having them both kind of makes the inclusion of the other one stronger than if it would have been just Ahsoka or just Luke. When I love them talking about the bringing in the costume and the fact that in the movie, his cloak is actually brown, but they went with black. I don't know. I just started thinking, too, that they made the decision to make his cloak actually black. I spend way too much time thinking about the idea. Is Luke almost the accidental villain of a season three of Mandalorian and whatever a season three of Mandalorian means or what it looks like to Din or to somebody like Boba or whatever Boba tells Din is Luke somebody that Din is thinking he might have to face as an enemy to get Grogu back and Luke kind of showing up all in black was that a thing to kind of push that idea? Because they could have easily said, well, let's go with the screen-accurate brown. They're like, no, let's go black. That's actually a good point. I hadn't thought about the fact that even if the end of Season 2, Din feels good about sending Grogu away with Luke because Grogu wants to go, if there is interactions with Din and Boba after this that, yeah, if Din's like, hey, this Jedi with a green lightsaber took Grogu, Bo's going to be like, oh, yeah, that guy's a jerk. <laughs> and he's a Jedi, and the Jedi killed my dad, and that guy knocked me in the Sarlacc pit, and now I'm bald. <laughs> Maybe there will be some – he'll taint his perception of him. But I like with this, too, that they kind of get into, in addition, just the character of Luke Skywalker. And this maybe ties a little bit back with the tech, too, is they start talking about Mark Hamill is Luke Skywalker. And Mark Hamill's face is very interesting in how different Luke looks in every movie and in every scene based on the camera angles and the lighting and just how complicated it is on one hand just to do a a face but to do the face of somebody that people recognize and to do a face of somebody you know they everybody knows Luke Skywalker and everybody remembers Luke Skywalker but everybody's going to remember him differently based on what parts of the movies they associate with him and I love uh another new superstar of uh, the VFX producer, Abigail Keller. And she's just talking about what makes Luke Luke. And does this make Luke Luke? And does that make Luke Luke? And I just kept waiting for clone Luke to show up with all the Luke Lukes. What makes Luke Luke? What 
expressions make Luke Luke, what lighting scenarios make Luke Luke. It's really interesting if you go back and look at the footage, in every scene and every shot, he looks a little bit different. And when you start getting down to it and you analyze his cheek shape or his nose shape, I mean, he's the same person, but in different lighting scenarios, it can definitely read differently. It's, it's, a, it's a really valid point, and it's something about, you know, if the Luke effect works or doesn't work with you, some of that is just does the version of Luke that they gave us kind of match the version of Luke that you remember the most? And I like that they showed all the, like, just shots of different Mark Hamill's from the different movies just to kind of remind you how different he looked. And then the insanity they went to with the, the like, swapping his hairstyles out and stuff was just, you know, it's like you, they tried so hard to please everyone. And, and yeah, they, they almost, I mean, as hard as you think to make Tarkin believable, like Tarkin's in a few scenes in one Star Wars movie and to try to create the ultimate Luke Skywalker is just kind of insane that, that they were even willing to do it. That kind of leads us to the next part where they're talking about kind of everything else, the buildup to that moment, how that helps sell the moment. I love Favreau talking about Ludwig using for the first time some John Williams and the power that just that little force theme there has when Luke pulls his hood back. That's the first time in that last episode that we actually hear any music that's from the original trilogy. Are you a Jedi? I am. Everything up to that point had been original music by Ludwig, and that's the first time you could hear any John Williams music. And that also, let's never underestimate the importance of John Williams. <laughs> because that's that's part of what makes Star Wars Star Wars. And so for us to, to not use any of those themes for any of the show and then to use it at this point, it's saving a very powerful tool that I think all of those things help sell the visual effect. And it's really true. And that's, I really, I do love the buildup, the tease of it all, because they just know what they're doing. Yeah, because they were basically making you think you're losing your mind. And like all the part, like for me, it was the X-Wing showing up. For some people, it's the, the shots of the boots. You know, for some people, it's the green lightsaber. For some people, it's the way it echoes the Vader hallway scene in Rogue One. There's just so much crammed in, what, like a minute of screen time there. Well, and I like them acknowledging, I think it was uh, Dave Floney in particular of just kind of how that scene just kept building on, you know, all the reveals and the music and all of that. And that it was tricky because if, if any of those steps kind of lose you, you potentially aren't going to be prepared for, <laughs> or the right state of mind for, the reveal of the face at the end and that it is like almost like a house of cards of them just building all these things. And if it works, it's going to work intensely. And if it doesn't work, it was really hard. And they were aware of just how difficult that was to just to do. 
When I liken that quote to from Filoni, he's almost like, the face, yeah, but <laughs> you believe it more if we set it up the right way. Because that's the thing, too, with all of these, with the Marvel movies, with Tarkin, with the end of Rogue One, with Leia. There's always that part of your brain where you know that's not what Michael Douglas looks like. Or you know when he pulls his head back, okay, I'm. this is some sort of magic. This is some sort of trickery. You're just naturally going to be taken out of the moment because you, you're you're thinking that. But they did do such a good job of selling the moment. Of getting your brain ready for it. Well, and I think you could almost argue if you're someone who was not happy with that scene, that they did too good of a job (laughs) of building up to it. Because the buildup was so good that in some cases, maybe your expectations were set too high because... Like we were saying, this the slow build of the X-Wing to the boots, to the saber, to the fighting, to the the door opening was just so well done and intense that is it even possible? Like even if it was literally stock footage from Return of the Jedi, would you even have accepted it because the buildup was so intense? What does Filoni call people like us that would be freaking out? <laughs> we can't, yeah, we can't forget that apparently the people who are insane enough to at least know that he's really into Plo Koon, that we are deep core fans. It's fairly well known by deep core fans that Plo Koon's my favorite Jedi. If Plo Koon from the script got out, would assume, well, of course, because Dave likes Plo Koon. We had a digital Plo Koon head placed on the actor in dailies. So it looked like Plo Koon. The deep core. <laughs> yeah. Traveling into the planet core, very dangerous. Yeah, you better brought your bongo. <laughs> you're in trouble. That's why you're going to see me walking around Celebration 22 playing my bongo. <laughs> yeah. If, if you have a framed picture of John Knoll on your wall, you may be a deep core fan. So speaking of framed pictures of John Knoll... That kind of brings us into the next part of the show, The Controversy, which this part was really interesting, where I was, again, surprised at them kind of acknowledging that this deep fake thing, it's all for fun, and it's all Luke Skywalker and Peter Cushing and stuff, but there's some real-world scariness involved in it, and they're very much aware of that. Yeah, it was interesting that I wasn't expecting that, but... It kind of makes sense, you know? It's like they're trying to educate people and use their the fact that, you know, probably millions of people are going to be watching this, that, hey, <laughs> just be careful. <laughs> that technology is getting so good that uh, you can't always believe what you see. Well, and not to change the subject, but we almost forgot the other d- just insane thing to go along with the deep fake visuals was the audio yeah this blew my mind and thankfully we had a a friendly messenger again our friend matt wood helper of the show in many situations and owner of a blast points t-shirt that he may or may not have ever worn (laughs) he's the one delivering the news that yeah what no one actually said the luke dialogue in this episode think about it you know 
because when you know it's there, it's kind of fun and a point of discussion. But something people didn't realize is that his voice isn't real. Like, his voice, the young Luke Skywalker voice, is completely synthesized using a, 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 an application called Respeecher. It's a neural network, basically, you feed uh, information into and it learns. So I had archival material from Mark in that era. We had clean recorded ADR from the original films, a book on tape he had done from one of those eras, and then also Star Wars radio plays he had done back in that time. And so I was able to get clean recordings of all that, feed it into the system, and they were able to slice it up and basically feed their neural network to learn this data. The computer is sampling sounds and tones from younger Mark Hamill and creating a performance that sounds like that Luke Skywalker. It's so nuts because maybe just because I was focused on the face, it never really crossed my mind that that wasn't real. But then at the same time, I knew that Mark Hamill's voice doesn't sound like that anymore. I don't know. It was, it was madness. Well, that kind of brings us to our next part where they're talking about like R2-D2 and Grogu and kind of the legacy of these characters they spend a lot of time talking about the power of R2-D2 and kind of what that meant. And John Favreau was crying and everyone was crying and R2-D2 is the greatest. And I did really like that they what they made the comparison between the scene with Grogu and R2-D2 and Wicket and R2-D2 in Jedi. Well, and also just the whole idea that even though this episode was all about, you know, the magic of bringing Luke Skywalker back, that at the end of the day... The bigger deal is that Grogu is already at the level where he can share a scene with R2-D2. And that's the real big deal. <laughs> that Mark Hamill guy and Luke, yeah, they're cool, but they're not R2-D2. And that you know, R2-D2 showing up and, and having a scene with Grogu is, is the, real, the real finale of the season. When they talk a lot in the episode, too, like... Especially a lot of the times Favreau's talking about like, well, you know, a lot of Star Wars fans, they're older now and stuff. And it's <laughs> but I like that they acknowledge that, you know, Star Wars is a generational thing and Star Wars fandom is a generational thing. Grogu is really that kind of character for a new generation. And that's pretty awesome. Just like R2-D2 was in the late 70s and Yoda was in the 80s and the, and the Ewoks were later in the 80s and Jar Jar was in the prequels. Yeah, and that's why it was just, it was just so neat to, that they were smart enough to add that scene of almost the, you know, as much as the sequel trilogy was, was having Luke pass the torch to, to Rey, with this it's like, the real stars are twos passing the, the torch to the to the new star on the block to Grogu and that, you know, the kids love Grogu and the kids kids who are not old <laughs> loved R2. Well, I love them too talking about the R2 eyelight thing. I was just like, oh, oh. that was a little that was a little hardcore. Very nice. Well, and the and it all kind of uh I guess culminates too with Peyton Reed uh bringing up the E. T. connection of wanting to end the season with, with, uh, with an ET ending and kind of that bittersweet goodbye. I talked with John a lot about the ending of ET, the way that you spend a whole movie with ET and Elliot. And then there's a certain point where ET has to go. And that whole ending where Spielberg goes around and you're just witnessing the emotion between ET and Elliot 
the emotion of E.T.'s mom and brother, everybody in that scene. And it is, you know, all through this amazing John Williams score. But I said, I think we want to introduce a little bit of that into the Star Wars universe. Like, let's have that, not be afraid of that emotion at the end of the thing. Because that's, to me, that was the, the win of that episode. And it felt like it merited it because to split up those two characters at the end of uh, that season uh, broke a lot of hearts. That was so great, too, because... I'm always looking for E.T. connections, you know. <laughs> I'd never thought about how E.T. the ending of that episode is. And it's so E.T. Even with the door closing, right? Right. <laughs> so at least, yeah, it explains why we weren't happy at the end of the episode. <laughs> and we weren't, we weren't mad at the episode. We were mad that, why, why does he have to go? I'll have an E.T. flashbacks. But it's almost like if E.T. ended with, you know there's going to be an E.T. too, and Elliot's got to get E.T. back. Right. Well, and I love, too, the Filoni talking about Star Wars is supposed to be uplifting, and it should give people a good feeling. And it's so true, because this episode of The Mandalorian that they're all talking about, that they're all making the, you know this connection with, It is great Star Wars and it is great myth because what's going on in it is relatable for many, many different people in many, many different ways. And it's like we say all the time, it's it's not about spaceships. It's it's about people and it's about feelings and it's about emotion. And there's, you know, droids being set on fire with techno music. There's a dark saber fight earlier in the episode. There's people on Mandalorian jetpacks flying around and kicking stormtroopers in the face, but also there's this gut wrenching, real emotion based ending. And that's star Wars. That's what, you know, star Wars should deliver. So if you can't tell already, we love the rescue. (laughs) (laughs) And I think this talking about this Disney gallery, I think has raised my Mando fever. Even more. If you aren't paying attention, you might not have noticed the little the little subtle things to get you uh, hyped up for Book of Boba. There was the the Boba sound at the end when the door closed, and it's a great way to introduce the next generation to Star Wars. I almost died of a heart attack right at that moment because I was like, oh, oh no. What's happening? Don't don't tease me with this book of Boba stuff. Well, and, and we should have been ready for it because earlier when Favreau was talking about the dangers of technology and about blockchain technology and how that inspired chain codes that they made sure to show not just a, a snippet, almost the entire clip of Boba showing his chain code. That's me. I'm Boba Fett. That's my dad. He's Django Fett. Like the whole scene almost like. Yes, any excuse to show tomorrow Morrison Boba Fett talking about anything. Thank you for for sticking that in there. They play that Boba horn. <laughs> and seriously, I'm, I almost jumped out the window. <laughs> I, I'm happy we didn't get anything Book of Boba yet. That time is coming. This it's the silent killer hiding in a bush outside of our house, ready to pounce on us at any moment. We we know we're safe until at least after Visions comes out. <laughs> We have a few more weeks of calm. (laughs) They're going to throw the book at us. So overall, Disney Gallery, about the season finale of Mando Season 2. Gabe, what are you taking away from all this? I can't get enough behind-the-scenes stuff. I can't get enough Mandalorian. 
I can't get enough of ILM people in their fancy warm coats with cool things on the sleeves. And I'm ready for Book of Boba to come and this to start all over again with a new season of a show. And sometime next year, Disney galleries about Book of Boba. And maybe we'll get more John Knoll speaking in Japanese. <laughs> yeah, more excuses to dub John Knoll in other languages, please. the bounty hunter that looked unbelievably cool has spawned an entire you know mythology within this bigger mythology an entire race of people Mandalorians you know it's amazing and the word Mandalorian never appears in a Star Wars film it's the new Boba Fett Star Wars large-size action figure from Kenner. Darth Vader sold separately. Capture them alive! I'm the best bounty hunter in the whole galaxy. That's why you got the job. Boba Fett has a see-through helmet with play rangefinder to locate your objective. You can move his legs, knees, arms, even wrists and elbows. His backpack unit is removable. You have your mission. Good luck. I don't need luck. I'm the best. New Boba Fett Star Wars large-size action figure from Kenner. Darth Vader sold separately. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. Apple podcast reviews. When you get done listening to this, if you listen on some sort of Apple thing, go over there, write a little something nice about the show. Not only does it help more people find Blast Points when they're looking for Star Wars podcasts, but it brings warm feelings to our hearts when you folks write a little something nice. And after that, check out our website, blastpointspodcast.com, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and if you're on Facebook, make sure you sign up for the Blast Point Super Chill Group. If you want to support the show in a different way, we got the Blast Points Army on Patreon. Tons of bonus episodes. I think there's like a hundred bonus episodes on there now. It's crazy. We got all the Mandalorian review episodes. We got all the Bad Batch review episodes. We got commentaries, and very soon. We're going to be starting up again our breakdown of the classic episode one making of documentary, The Beginning. If you want to hear us talk about John Knoll even more in an uncomfortable way, that's <laughs> there's a lot of it in there. But that about wraps up number 280 here, talking about Disney Gallery, The Rescue, Luke Skywalker, Matt Wood, Landis Fields. How much Luke is too much Luke? How much Luke could a could a Luke Luke if a Luke could Luke Luke? 
So, folks, you're going to want to tune in next week. Gabe, how can we even describe what is coming to folks <laughs> next week? I think we can say that there won't be a normal episode next week, but there will be seven abnormal episodes next week. <laughs> There's a lot coming to folks next week, so stay tuned on our social media for uh, some announcements on what is coming to you folks next week because epic like we were talking about with star wars sometimes pushing it farther than maybe they should we're gonna take that to heart and next week is gonna be a little weird (laughs) so stay tuned for that and yeah we will talk to you then thank you everybody bye bye may the force be with you goodbye old friend may the force be with you May the force be with all of you!